0: This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mamoliti. I always say to people who are having kids or have young families, it's such an important skill to have for kids to be comfortable in the kitchen. It creates this desire to want to learn more about food and cooking and and how it works and not be afraid to try things. That's what we do as recipe developers. You come up with an idea and you play around with that idea and you test out recipes like that. But I mean, just to make younger people feel comfortable in the kitchen so that they don't feel intimidated by food and and cooking their own meals.
1: That's Jason Scrollbar. He's a food stylist, drink specialist, recipe developer, and on-air personality. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited about this.
0: I'm so excited too. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, because from what I understand, this is your very first podcast interview.
0: This is my first podcast. I mean, I listen to podcasts all the time, but I, this is, yeah, you're right. This is my first time uh, being a guest on a podcast. So thank you for having me.
1: Oh, I'm so Okay, we got to jump right in then. I want to begin with how long have you been in the culinary business? You know, and when did you start food styling?
0: Um, okay, well that's a I mean, I've been in the food industry for a long time because I started working in restaurants when I was a kid. So my first real job was as a dishwasher at a restaurant in Windsor where I grew up and uh, worked in uh, restaurants through high school and college. And then when I moved to Toronto, continued working in restaurants. I mean, I did other things as well, but um, always went back to restaurants. After working in in the kitchens for a while, I, I moved to front of house. So worked front of house for a long time and then actually left restaurants and started working at the CBC, a friend of mine who I worked with uh, at the last restaurant I worked at, she was working on some of the cooking shows on CBC and needed someone to help her out on her team. So she brought me on board. And that's sort of how I kind of got out of the restaurant industry and into the sort of food media world.
1: And is that where that point where you decided this was going to be your career path? Or was it something you just kind of gradually fell into?
0: Well, you know, I... I, I definitely wanted to get out of restaurants, but I wasn't, I, I didn't have a vision of working in television. It's just sort of, it came to me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then once I started working on these shows, I loved it. And and I haven't really looked back because I still, even though I'm, uh, I'm food styling full-time now, I still, I work a lot at CTV. So I've sort of continued uh, with the sort of television aspect of food styling, there's like, there's many different types of food styling. We can get into that later if you want, but yes,
1: I would love to.
0: Yeah. So, but I mean, when I first started at CBC on these cooking shows, it was as just as a PA and ended up staying there until both of those shows got canceled.
1: What shows, Uh, if you don't mind me asking.
0: Yeah. So it was uh, best recipes ever. And in the kitchen with Stefano. Okay. Um, afternoon, half-hour instructional cooking shows in which there aren't really many instructional cooking shows out there anymore. Um, I miss them. I know, right? And they're a lot of fun to work on too. I mean, I've worked on competition food shows, which is sort of what all the rage is now. And those are great too. They make for good television.
1: So then at what point did your passion for working with food come from?
0: I mean, so I grew up, uh, in a house with two parents who cooked a lot. We, there were four kids in the family, th- four boys. So uh-huh. lots of food. Uh, <laughs> mom was always in the kitchen. And, and you know, at a certain point, um, my mom just decided to retire from the kitchen because she had enough. And so my dad took over cooking and he was he's a great cook. And so we really grew up in a household with two parents who did a lot of cooking at home. And then I moved, when I moved to Toronto, I moved in with my aunt and she was a big cook too. So I was sort of surrounded by it from an early age, you know? And I think that has a lot to do with it. I always say to people who are having kids or, or you know, have young families, it's such an important thing to teach your kids to become, not necessarily, I don't even think it's important to like, necessarily teach them recipes per se, but I just think it's such an important skill to have for kids to be comfortable in the kitchen because it creates this desire to want to learn more about food and cooking and and how it works and, and not be afraid to try things. I mean, that's what we do as recipe developers and stuff is, you know, you come up with an idea and you play around with that idea and you test out recipes and stuff like that. But I mean, just, to To make younger people feel comfortable in the kitchen, so that they don't feel intimidated by food and and cooking their own meals.
1: And the reason why that's important is because there are so many wonderful memories attached to food.
0: Oh yeah, and cooking. Oh yeah, like one of my biggest memories, especially as like as a young kid. So my mom, my mom was a unique person in the sense that she adopted the sort of health food way before most people, like she made her own yogurt, made her own bread, made like everything was homemade, but we would, my, my twin brother and I would go every year. It was the first strawberry picking day of the summer Mm -hmm. Uh, in June. We would get into the car, my mom and my, my twin brother and I, and we'd drive out to the country and we would spend the whole day picking strawberries and those and we would fill the car with these bushels of strawberries and when we were really young ryan and i would probably spend more time running around the field than actually picking the strawberries as we got older the job was more (laughs) like no more playing around you need to help you gotta work yeah um (laughs) But as a reward, we would always stop off at the dairy freeze on the way home and we get the the, the the biggest, you know, it was probably the only time we ever got to like eat the, the messiest, biggest strawberry Sundays, um, you know, of the year. But, uh, but I mean, and then, and then, you know, coming home, it was like, you know, we, mom would spend the next week canning and making strawberry jam and, and then we would have that for the season, but she didn't only really do that with strawberries she did that with peaches and pears Mm -hmm. and and cherries and so we have this you know our basement was full of uh not not just not just sweets but relish and all this stuff and i mean she got that from her mother and so yeah i mean tons of food memories
1: now are you up for a couple of games
0: i love games i really really do we grew up playing games all the time in my family so yeah (laughs) i love games
1: are you competitive
0: i'm i mean my friends and family would probably say I am, but I don't I, I don't want to be, but I might. Just
1: the fact that you're having a hard time answering that, yes, you are competitive. <laughs> First one, fill in the blanks. I'm always late to blank.
0: Oh, well, I'm always late going to sleep.
1: Oh, so you're a night owl. Blank is how I temporarily escape.
0: Well, lately... I've been going for long walks.
1: Oh, nice. Good one. All right. If I could go anywhere right now, I would go to blank.
0: If I could go anywhere right now, it would probably be the UK because my best friend lives there and um she was supposed to get married last summer but canceled. Um, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um I'm missing her and I miss I love I love London. Uh, it's one of my favorite cities.
1: Okay, next one. I want to try blank.
0: I want to try um I I I'm looking to adopt a kitten. So I want to try being a cat owner.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Yes, that works.
0: Okay, good cuz I've been so I know there's so many people that are looking for pets right now because of the pandemic, but um <laughs> We had dogs growing up, so it, I've never thought about having um I've never thought about having a cat because we just never had them growing up and uh it would it, having a dog is really hard because of the work that I do. I'm away from home a lot so within the last couple of weeks, I've been obsessed with like looking at all the humane societies around Toronto and finding the perfect kitten to adopt and so now that's like top of the
1: okay, that's so sweet. I love that. I deserve a gold medal in.
0: Oh, my God. I hate saying good things about myself. (laughs) Um, Oh, uh, I would say feeding my neighbors and my brother over the past year because the amount of food that I've been making. And can't eat because I live alone. (laughs) My neighbours love me because I keep bringing them food all the time.
1: I love that.
0: And so uh, they get a knock on their door and now the kids know and the kids run. (laughs) They're like, (laughs) what's Jason (laughs) bringing today?
1: (laughs) I'm Mary Mammoliti and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today I'm talking with Jason Scrollbar. Food stylist, drink specialist, recipe developer and on-air personality. Let's talk a little bit about food styling. So for those that are not familiar, could you tell us a little bit about the role of a food stylist?
0: I mean, so there. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a different. There's a a few different types of food styling. I mean, there's styling for television, which is you know when you have a TV show that requires food, like the show that I work on uh, at CTV or Morning, when we have food segments, the guests will arrive in the studio, and I'll have prepared all the food that they're going to be presenting on camera. And so that's a bit different than when you're doing commercial photography or you're doing video because it, it's not as precise. And a lot of times what it also entails is um, prepping all of the ingredients that the guest or the host is going to be using to prepare the actual meal that or the recipe that they're going to be making. So if they're making a pie, for example, you pre-measure everything out and you have everything in stages and then you would make the hero, what we call the hero, which is like the final uh, dish that that may be.
1: And speaking of the hero dish and the hero shot, would it be that the difference, I mean, if I'm following correctly, the difference between TV and photo is that TV, is it a little more forgiving? It doesn't have to be as precise as a photo would be.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not, it's, it's, not, it's definitely not. It's still the- visually appealing, but. Sure, and it, it does because, and usually, depending on what show it is, you'll always have a photographer there that takes an image of the of whatever um, whatever it is you're making. Um, a lot of times, the they'll they'll take uh, a video hero, so so it's not just a a still image, but it is a little bit different because it's not the focus of the of the project. Whereas when you're shooting, say. Uh, still images for campaign, which I've Um, seen some of
1: your work. Gorgeous.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's a lot different because that's the only thing that is being done that day. And, you know, if it's a food uh, competition show, it probably means you're there to assist the competitors in making sure that their final dish looks uh, the best, or you will then take that dish and, and fix it or or recreate it depending. Oh, I did
1: not know that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're not going to take it and completely redo it, but they're there to make sure that it looks as good as it can when you see the final dish. And a lot of times with TV, you have to worry about swaps, which means if you're making, say, uh, turkey, you, you, you have to you have to work with like a raw turkey and then a half cooked turkey and then a fully cooked turkey. And I mean, when it's television like that, there's a whole team of people. Whereas if I'm doing a shoot for a client and it's uh, it, and I it could just be me or it might be me and one assistant and and usually that's not it. You know I like doing still photography because it's uh, it's a lot more precise and you you know you get to really really is a little bit more uh, detail oriented and and also it's it like I said before it's it's really the star of the show is that.
1: So do you ever work with and I call it. Fake food. And you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes right now. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you're like, what are some of the wild techniques uh, to get, you know, like the picture perfect food? I've read, and I don't know if this is, if there's any truth to this, but like motor oil for syrup, um, white glue for mozzarella, or using condiment syringes. Do you work with any of that? Is that true? Am I making stuff up here? No,
0: you're not making stuff up. I think that there's, a, <laughs> there's sort of a, um, there's definitely a lot of, uh, fake food that's, that's used in, in photography. I tend to try and always use real food. I've used fake ice cream. Like I've made my own fake ice cream. It's really easy to do. You can Google it and it's like, there's tons of different. Uh, okay. Wait, you, I
1: need to know this. How do you do that?
0: <laughs> it's it literally, it's just lard and flour and I think water, and there might be another ingredient, corn syrup probably. Um, and it really gives you that effect. You know, when you scoop a nice piece of, of ice cream yeah. and, and it has those ridges. Yeah. You're really just trying to recreate that because when you're in a studio and there's usually, there, well, they're not usually, there are the lights and you just never know how long you're going to be before you get the, the shot. So ice cream is probably one of the hardest things to shoot because of the fact that it, <laughs> it melts.
1: Well, I was always curious about that because I did ice cream, um, a mini little ice cream demo for AMI Yeah, that they had on, uh, that they aired. And we, I was like panicking. I'm like, this thing is melting, the lights, this thing is melting. Hard. And I always wondered, how do they get the ice cream, those shots where the ice cream doesn't look like it's a mess?
0: Well, not and not always, though, because there's ways around it, too, because sometimes so what I've noticed, too, I mean, I've worked with clients who um, they they don't want you to use fake food. I'm not an expert on this, but I think that that is more of. An older technique, in terms of like using food that's not real.
1: I was actually I have that question down to ask you because I was curious if over the years those trends have changed. Like, are people more interested now in like that honest and humble presentation?
0: Well, and, and I mean, there, definitely when you're when you're styling food, there's a lot of tricks and things that you do that are going to make the whatever it is, your styling look better. So for mm-hmm. sure, we all use those tricks. But I think when it comes to using actual food, that's not real. And then you try to make it look real. I don't tend to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I've also had a lot of clients that they don't want you using fake food. And especially if you're styling for I did a big job for Foodland Ontario a couple last year, I think it was. And, um, I had to show proof that everything was real.
1: Yeah. And I, I get that definitely with food land.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, that makes sense, but I do think that it's just more, I think, I mean, because food has become so big. I mean, if you, if you think of like Instagram and TikTok and just food in general, even five, 10 years ago, it wasn't as, Um, I mean, now it's just, it's cool, right? I get so many messages and I can imagine food stylists who have way more following than me must get even more, but I get people asking me all the time, you know, I want to be a food stylist. I think one of the reasons is because of Instagram because everyone, Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of goes back to when we used to be able to go to restaurants. Uh, The amount of people that would just be spending so much time, taking pictures of their food before they (laughs) uh, actually consume it. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and there's so, so many amazing photographers just to get back to the whole uh, fake food versus real food thing. um, I think clients are more inclined to want to be able to have the food stylist use real, real produce, real, Protein, just everything you know, not fake. But we do use syringes, and we use, you know, all these kind of things to, you know, lots of oil. But that's just without those things. Those are like the tools of the trade. Without those, but
1: there's still food.
0: Like oh, it's still that, food related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I've used the um, last summer. I did a shoot. It was a Christmas shoot, and I used um, barbasol for whipped cream <laughs> uh and and I I did that only because we ran out we ran out of whipped cream now whipped cream is also sort of in the in the same territory as um ice cream it kind mm-hmm. of could be tricky because it melts just like ice cream does I mean not the same obviously it's not the same thing but it's uh it also melts so things I like call that it the whip of, flop <laughs> yeah it well, literally act- just flops <laughs> yeah so cool whip is your is your oh, yeah. this doesn't change, which is like a, a godsend
1: okay so let's say we're gonna paint a picture here we're going to a shoot you're packing up your things to go. What are some of the tools the types of things that you will bring along to set yourself up for this shoot?
0: my tweezers for sure an offset spatula is a really good tool because it's used you can use it for many things and those are the the tiny little offset spatulas that you frost cakes and stuff like that water bottles spray bottles uh towels um a heat gun is a really important thing depending on what kind of shoot a good knife set is is i think every food style still have that there's so many things i mean it's it's and and that's the other thing about um the longer you style food you amass this huge kit with all kinds of things syringes of all different sizes uh q-tips Uh, cotton balls, um, all kinds of stuff.
1: How do you get that after, you know, a couple of hours that it's been sitting out because it's, it needed to be out, um, get that kind of revived look back into the food?
0: Well, depending on what it is, I mean, if it's produce, for sure, the biggest thing is, is that you want to make sure that you're always spraying your produce with, with water and covering it Damp paper towel. So, if you're ever using um, fresh herbs on set or any kind of um, produce, really, it's always important to just make sure that you're always spraying it down. With other things, like if if you're if you're using any proteins, like a steak or a burger or even a piece of salmon, uh, brushing it with a little bit of oil will liven it up right away because really what you're thinking like when you're taking something off the grill or off out of the oven it's gonna usually be glistening right because it's got all the fat that has been rendered out of it and then I think you know honestly with like if you're if you're thinking if if there's like a pot of beans and it has a has a a film on top I would just go in there unless there's some sort of decorative topping that you've already put on it Mm -hmm. then that's, that's I mean, there's things that there, there's things that are time sensitive that just you need to get done. You need to shoot sort of as soon as you can or as quick as possible, and and if not, you'll need to redo it. Like we, you know, we always have backups of things in case something goes wrong. Or you know, I was always taught when I first started working in food TV years ago is that you you just, you always have a backup of everything. You know, I remember a story. I, so I do a lot of, I work with Penguin Random House uh, quite a bit when they, whenever they have a, a cookbook that is being launched. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a cookbook author and she was doing a segment and she was backstage at one of the morning shows in Toronto. And she had made a quiche because that was one of the things that she was presenting. And mm-hmm. to get her hair and makeup done when she came back, someone had like taken a piece out of it and because they thought it was, they they thought it was there for people to just eat. No. (laughs) And also the station that she was at didn't have a kitchen. So she, there was no way she could make another one. So she had to, you know, she was smart about it. She had to cut it up and make it, you know, look like it had been presented a different way, but but I mean, that's just, it's just a funny thing because like people, usually when you have food up backstage, it's like Tim Hortons and like mm-hmm. that stuff. stuff.
1: So Not this,
0: a So Whoever, whoever <laughs> had this is like, wow, they, they went all out for us today.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to play another one. Weird Food Facts. This is getting hot. The most stolen food in the world is, give a guess, cured meat or cheese
0: oh cheese
1: yes
0: yeah you knew this well i mean yeah it just seems like i mean it's a weird thing to steal but um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) i read that like around four percent of all cheese made in the world it gets stolen
0: wow who are these cheese
1: (laughs) cheese thieves okay next one can you overcook mushrooms Yes or no?
0: I think you can overcook anything. So I'm gonna say yes.
1: No. There's a special polymer in the cell walls of the mushroom that ensure that it has a tender taste all the time. Oh. I did not know that either.
0: Well, okay. Okay. Well, noted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> true or false? Black pepper was once a luxury, and lobster and oysters used to be working class
0: food. That's true.
1: Yes. Ding, ding, ding. You are good.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I remember this because when my parents used to go to Italy, I will never forget this. My mom used to pack, I was a young girl, and she would pack packs of black pepper. And I used to say to her, well, why are we bringing those?" like, Because it's so expensive in Italy right. at the time. I think I probably just dated myself, but yeah. <laughs> okay. True or false? A quarter of the world's hazelnuts are used for Nutella.
0: A quarter for Nutella. Okay. Am I allowed to ask a question before I answer?
1: Not really, but I'll like I'll allow it.
0: Okay. Well, is it just Nutella or all hazelnut chocolate spreads? Just Nutella. Oh. No. Um, I'm gonna I, I want the answer to be no, false, but I'm gonna say true because you haven't said anything yet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're right. It's true. Nutella uses 25% of the world's hazelnuts.
0: That's a lot of hazelnuts.
1: Nutella has become such a popular brand that one in four of every hazelnut on this planet makes its way into those jars of heavenly goodness because I love Nutella. Last but not least, what is your kitchen confession that you can share with us?
0: I mean, and I don't know if this is a confession but I didn't go to culinary school So, and I think a lot of people think that you have to go to culinary school to be in the industry and I mean, I, you know even though I didn't go to culinary school, I worked in restaurants for a long time, I worked on cooking, just so I've been around food for more of my life than not um, uh, and so, and also, I mean, I spend a lot of time um because I enjoy what I do like I spend a lot of time uh reading cookbooks and you know spending time in the kitchen even even when I'm not uh working on prepping for a shoot I'll like I'll spend time you know learning a new dish or or what have you so yeah I mean I didn't go to culinary school but um but I feel like the 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 sort of life experiences that I've acquired over the years has sort of um, made up for that.
1: If listeners want to reach out, where can they find you?
0: I have Instagram. So I'm at jskro. So at J-S-K-R-O. Uh, and you can find me there. You can message me with any questions. And uh, my website's not up to date. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: jason on instagram
0: <laughs> that's right and, and and hopefully i will update my website too.
1: it's that time we've reached the end of another show did we get your stomach growling head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds plus you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchen confession for all the latest on the podcast be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mamolini. Thanks for listening.
0: This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.